Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, it's Chris Gathered here, and this week's episode is going to be really different. It's different than anything we've done, and this is already a show that we work in a manic number of formats, right? We've got... We've got episodes that are like nostalgia and, and me messing around with Mike D and Bonnet Duch about life in Jersey. We've got food reviews. We've got interviews with people. We've got voicemail-driven shows. We've got shows that focus on South Jersey. We've got shows about politics, all sorts of stuff. This one's going to be different than any of them because I'm sitting in my friend Will Hines' kitchen in Los Angeles. I had to come out to Los Angeles for work, and right now it's Friday. It's March 25th. It's 10 a.m. here. 1 p.m. back home. And in just a few hours, the St. Peter's Peacocks, Pride of Jersey City, a basketball team from a real small school. They're about to play Purdue. Purdue, who has been ranked the number one team in the nation at different points. And uh, Purdue, a team that's really good. Purdue, a team that has a seven foot four giant, a team that has what many people say might be the best point guard in the country, versus St. Peter's Peacocks, where there's been endless amounts of news about how they took out Kentucky and then they beat Murray State to make the Sweet 16. And here's what today's episode is going to be it's going to be what you're hearing now, which is me talking before the game starts about how I'm feeling about it. And specifically, if you're not a sports fan, I mean, you may have turned this off already, but you might be going, why does this feel so important? Well, because I think this is one of the most Jersey stories that we're ever going to see. So I'm going to talk about that. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire up the microphone at halftime, tell you how I'm feeling at the half, and then after the game, come back, talk a little bit more. I don't know how we're going to format that, how we're going to structure it. God bless Carson and Andrea and whoever else has to help sort it out. But I'm feeling very emotional about this. Now, there's a lot of people that don't care about sports. I get it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you care about New Jersey. And I'll tell you, this is as Jersey a story as anything going right now. So the bullet points, you know them. They took out Kentucky. They took out Murray State. St. Peter's is a tiny school. Um, there's a, a Twitter thread that went viral. You can Google it and find it. It's really amazing and eye-opening and, and hilarious in a dark way about how piss poor the facilities at St. Peter's historically have been. I mean, the team going to practice and finding that the gym has been rented out for children's birthday parties. Um, teams warming up and Iona coming to visit the gym to play a game and when they shoot jump shots to warm up, the rim falls off and it delays things by 40 minutes. I mean, these are... Division one athletes, and this is the stuff these guys are putting up with. It's because they're in Jersey City. They're out by Journal Square. Us lovers of Jersey know they're not out near Grove Street. They're not out near the parts that I got in fancy. They're still out by Journal Square. They're still at the one. They're still at the one that's uh, not totally gentrified yet. That's where they go. This team's so funny. But there's really one person we got to talk about beforehand. The person who I think a lot of people are reading about and there's been a lot of press about, it's the coach of St. Peter's, Shaheen Holloway. Here's some things you might not know. Here's some things you might not know. Okay, if you listen to the show, you probably know that I love Seton Hall basketball. If you know Seton Hall basketball, you might know that in 1989, they went to the national championship game. 
And they were a tiny little school. They were taking on Michigan, one of the blue buds of college athletics. Everybody's heard of Michigan football. Everybody's heard of Michigan athletics. But what you might not know is Seton Hall almost took him out and it came right down to the wire. And then there was a foul call that was so bad that the ref apologized for it. And it's pretty universally agreed upon that the uh, foul call, which led to two foul shots and Seton Hall losing the game, it shouldn't have been called. And that's a real Jersey story, isn't it? Scrappy, tiny little Catholic school from North Jersey. Makes it all the way to the national championship game. Throws every punch they got, and then the ref takes it away from them. That's about as Jersey as it gets. Now, if you also follow Seton Hall basketball, you know that they stayed good for a while up through the mid-90s. You had Terry DeHare, you had Jerry Walker, you had uh, the Luther Wright teams. Luther Wright, that's a fascinating, sad Jersey story in its own right. But point being, these teams stayed good for a while, and then Seton Hall fell off hard. And Shaheen Holloway opted to play for them. But here's some things you might not know. Shaheen Holloway, did you know that he was a, a McDonald's All-American in an era when Seton Hall wasn't getting McDonald's All-American high school players? McDonald's All-American game, this is the best high school players come together. It's a big deal. Not only that, he was the MVP of the McDonald's All-Star game, his, uh, his high school All-American year. And guess who else played? Kobe Bryant was in that game. And Shaheen Holloway was the MVP. There's a really great article that went up on ESPN this morning about how Coach K recently, uh, it, it just came out. Shaheen Holloway was brought down to play at Duke. He goes down there, there's eight people in the stands. They bring him inside Cameron Indoor Stadium, this legendary stadium. And they have people there, a bunch of fans who are shirtless with the letters H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y painted on them. He goes back for a second visit. He opts to play at Seton Hall. He could have played at Duke. He played at Seton Hall. And he came out in this ESPN article, Coach K has said that Shaheen Holloway is the only player he recruited who visited Duke twice and turned him down, decided not to go to Duke. And then the, apparently what, what Shaheen Holloway said uh, in, the, in the course of this, they were interviewing another person who was there for this interaction with Coach K, said Shaheen turned around and said, I just couldn't leave my barber behind in Jersey. I mean... This is one of us. You may have heard of the St. Patrick's School, now known as the Patrick's School. Kyrie Irving went there, uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Al Harrington. Um, they've produced a bunch of NBA players, but the person who put them on the map, Shaheen Holloway, and played against the legendary Bob Hurley at St. Anthony's, a basketball hall of famer. St. Anthony's, everybody knows St. Anthony's. Nobody knew St. Patrick's. Shaheen Holloway was such a dangerous guard that Bob Hurley says it's the only game he ever started out in a 1-3-1 defensive zone. He's known for his man-to-man -man pressure defense. He started in a zone specifically to stop Shaheen and said it was totally ineffective. So this is a special person. You might be sitting here going, why didn't I hear about him in this pro career? Well, you want to hear a Jersey story, listen to this. The last time a New Jersey school went to the Sweet 16, which... For anybody who doesn't follow college athletics, the Sweet 16 is the round of the tournament that St. Peter's will be playing in later today. The last time a New Jersey school or any New York area school went to the Sweet 16, it was the 2000 Seton Hall team. Shaheen Holloway went there, he brought them back. They went to the Sweet 16, but guess what? In the round of 32, Shaheen Holloway got injured. And basically he had a bunch of ligaments explode. He didn't play in that Sweet 16 game. Seton Hall lost. 
He went down with an injury. He had to sit and watch. He tried to make it back. If that's not as Jersey as it gets, I don't know what is. This kid who keeps opting into Jersey life, he grew up in Queens. You can read all about this. He grew up in Queens. He had a, a grandmother in Hillside, moved out here, lived with a host family to go to the St. Patrick's School. And ever since then, he's been kind of an adopted son of, of New Jersey. This kid who comes from a rough part of Queens, moves out to Jersey, puts his high school on the map. He has a legendary coach in Bob Hurley, game planning around him. He snubs Coach K. He stays with the local scrappy school. He brings it back to life. And his ligaments blow out when he's partway through the tournament. He's five foot ten, man. He got the all-star over Kobe. And his ligaments blow out. He's never the same player again. He tried out with the Knicks, couldn't stick. He wound up overseas, but he had a kid when he was a teenager, came back. He said, My kid needs me in her life. So he comes back to Jersey. And guess what school his daughter graduates from? It's Seton Hall. He has a son with his wife. He met his wife at Xavier Hall on the campus of Seton Hall University. His son is named Xavier. He eventually is the assistant coach at Seton Hall for many years. And then he busts out to do his own thing at St. Peter's, that scrappy school. The same way nobody had heard of St. Patrick's High School and he put them on the map. The same way Seton Hall had fallen off and he brought them back. And then his knee blew out. Ligaments blood, maybe his ankle. I'm not sure. I forget. I could read up on it, but you could tell him shooting from the hip on this one. And now St. Peter's, the scrappy school down the road in Jersey City, no longer an assistant. He's the head coach. Brings it back. He convinces alumni to give a big donation so they can name their arena the Run Baby Run Arena, the coolest name you could think of. And now he's got these kids. Doug Eddard from Nutley down the road. A couple of twins from, from Mali. They're about to play Purdue. Purdue has a seven foot four guy. I think the tallest guy in St. Peter's is six seven. This is the most Jersey story that's ever happened. I mean, what Bruce Springsteen is to music. And what Kevin Smith is to film, Shaheen Holloway is to college basketball. And then, of course, there's all these rumors that he's doing a very, very good job of gracefully dodging until it's time to speak to it. But there's a lot of rumors that now that the Seton Hall head coaching job has opened up that Shaheen Holloway, who snubbed Coach K to go there, who met his wife there, who named his son after a building there, who... who who watched his daughter graduate from there. He's going to come back and he's going to get a chance to coach there. Now, let's be clear about something with St. Peter's. St. Peter's, scrappy school, flooded facilities. We, we, you've read these stories online. Here's one thing I was astounded by. Supposedly, now that the NCAA is uh, in a move that I think is very warranted, allowed players to profit off their name, image, and likeness. It means you can go sell T-shirts with your picture on them. Uh, you know, if you... If a brand wants to give you money to promote their brand, you can, which I think these kids put themselves through the ringer. That's their, their, these are grownups. These are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old people. Let them make money off of their skill set. God forbid you know, somebody's knee blows out. Let them make some money off of this. It's, it's weird and controlling and classist and, and I would say racist that that hasn't always been the case. Um, 
we could debate that all day. But here's one thing that I did read is that supposedly as the head coach of St. Peter's University, Shaheen Holloway makes a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And there are kids who played on that University of Kentucky team that they beat in the first round who had name image likeness deals where they were making more than the head coach, Shaheen Holloway. There were kids playing on that team who had endorsement deals where they were making more than the head coach of St. Peter's and St. Peter's took them out, man. Now Shaheen gets a chance next year, hopefully. I mean, he might be getting priced out of Seton Hall's price range, but he might come and get some Big East coaching money, which will be a real bump in pay. Come back to his alma mater. Come back to this place he built. Back up from the ashes. Place that his family has all these connections to. He might get to be that coach. This is an amazing Jersey story. In about six hours, the game starts. I'll talk to you again at halftime. And then I'm going to talk to you again after the game. And here's the thing. Logic tells me that what I'll be discussing tonight is I'll be sorting out my feelings on what it means to watch St. Peter's lose to Purdue. That's what's most likely going to happen. That's what the betting lines say. That's what logic says. I've watched a few Purdue games. I watched uh, Purdue was the team Ron Harper uh, from Rutgers hit that three at the buzzer, took them out. I watched Purdue one or two other games this year. They got some big giants on that team. They play in the Big Ten. That's supposedly the best conference in basketball. That's a far away. The Big Ten is a lot different than the MAC conference. And St. Peter's wasn't even the best team in the MAC most of the year. People thought Iona or maybe even Monmouth was going to get to the tournament. So probably I'll be back in a little while and I'll be telling you about how St. Peter's lost the game. That's probably how this night ends. It's completely impossible for me to predict how that's going to make me feel. And if they win, it's one of the greatest sport, uh, stories of sports. It gets to continue. And one of the most Jersey tales I've ever heard gets to continue. I don't know how I'm going to feel if they lose. And I don't know how I'm going to feel if they win. But what I do know is this. Something really special happening right now. And this podcast is all about loving New Jersey and exploring New Jersey. And one of these things is happening right now before us that will live in history as about as Jersey tale as it could be. Talk to you later. I just bit my bottom lip so hard that it hurt. It's one of those things where you got this feeling inside and there's not really a name for it. And I guess I'm trying to keep it in for now. We'll see how it comes out at halftime. I'll talk to you guys later. Jersey time, it's about 5 p.m. in LA. And we are 
at the end of the first half. St. Peter's is in it. They're down four. They do not look scared. They do not look intimidated. Purdue has an actual giant. They have an actual giant, man. I'm feeling quietly optimistic. Now, here's what occurs to me is that you're hearing this on Monday while I'm recording this on Friday, so you know how it ends. So you're all listening to me being optimistic and and full of hope and and kind of reserved, but going, didn't look uneven to me out there. Looked like two teams that could throw punches at each other, and it looked like the team that had more natural talent was not always the one controlling the pace of the game. Looked like St. Peter's defensively was swarming them in a way I liked. There were a couple fouls that I didn't love, but in general... pushing okay but you're all hearing this in the future so you might know that I'm completely heartbroken or you might be like man Gethard's gonna flip out he has no idea what's coming I liked what I just saw I'm at a friend's house there's a couple of us here and everybody's going man these kids are small but they're feisty and they're not scared I like that that kid hit that shot at the end of the first half and he got back up off the floor and he had some things to say he was talking some shit It feels good. I feel optimistic. It has been fun to watch. St. Peter's is in it. They're in it. I don't know how long this one's going to be. I mean, I went on and on for 15 minutes about Shaheen Holloway in the first thing I recorded today, and I I just watched a half of basketball that was fun to watch where the scrappy Jersey kids didn't seem in over their heads. They didn't seem scared, and they didn't seem outclassed. It feels like it could still be a toss-up, and that's about as good as you can ask for, right? At the end of the day, it's 40 minutes of basketball. And at the end of that first 20 minutes, Purdue is uh, effectively starting with a four-point spot. They basically said, we'll spot you four points. You can make up four points easy in a basketball game. They got 20 minutes to go. feel good. I feel optimistic. You might even say that I feel bethereal. Generally, when I feel good and optimistic as a Jersey person thinking about Jersey things, my heart winds up broken. Hope that's not how this ends here. Okay, it's 9.19 p.m. on the East Coast, and uh, I'm just going to record because there's less than a minute left in this game. Purdue just called a timeout because they're down by four. And like I said, there's less than a minute. There's never been a 15 seed that's made it to the Elite Eight at St. Peter's. I don't want to say they're about to do it, so I'm not one to jinx things, but I'm going to say that they are so close. So I'm just going to watch. At my, uh, watching in the living room, my, my friends Eli and Erica, so I'm not going to ramble too much, but you're going to hear real-time audio of me reacting <laughs> to whatever the hell happens here. Oh, God. I, I don't know how these kids, like... They're going to foul immediately. Just the pressure, though. I mean, they're on national TV. Oh, KC 
St. Peter's is up 63-59. Purdue hasn't scored in close to five minutes. Oh my God. Okay. Miss, miss, miss. Oh, no. Oh, I hate that. Okay. Okay, two-point game. Purdue scores 61-63. St. Peter's is still up. I feel like I'm feeling more stress than the players on St. Peter's look like they're feeling. It's been the whole time. I'm getting texts like mad from all my Jersey friends. Okay. Now, I feel like you're much less invested in this than I am, but I still feel like you're both caught up in it at this point. Oh, I'm screaming. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. melting off. 25.8 seconds. Shot clock's 30. Logic would say you go for a steal and then... If you don't get the steal on the inbounds, you foul him. Yeah. And then you just got to hope that uh, St. Peter's hits their foul shots. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that was almost a turnover. What happened? What happened? What happened? Okay. We've got, I'm, I'm not mad. Okay, I'm not mad. Okay. We hit the pause button by accident, but we're back in it. Okay. Okay. Why are they letting so much clock run? They're not fouling. There's the foul. Why'd they burn so much time before the foul? That was stupid. Hit, hit it, hit it. It's one and one, right? Or does he get, you know, he gets two shots. Okay, it's the first one. 64-61, St. Peter's. Are they really about to go to the Elite Eight, St. Peter's University? Goddamn New Jersey. <laughs> yes! Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God, he hit the three. One point game, one point game, eight seconds left. Holy shit. Oh my God, I can't look at my texts. Oh, come on. Go, go, go. Go! Go, go, go! Dougie Buckets! You can put Dougie Buckets at the line at the end? Are you insane? Oh my God. Oh my God. This is... These kids are all like 19, 20 years old. I can't believe they didn't foul him. Edit hits. Okay, two point game. How are you? We've got neighbors randomly coming in to watch the end of the game. He doesn't know me at all. How are you? Got Phil calling us back on FaceTime. Phil, Phil, I don't even know. Yes. Okay, we just, we just, Dougie Buckets just hit them both for a three. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh, 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 they did it! They did it, baby! They did it, baby! New Jersey! New Jersey, we did it! We did it! Run, baby, run! Holy shit! Run, baby, run! Oh my god! Oh my god! 
Oh my god! You were, you, were, you were watching on a lag, so I saw the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. We we had an accidental pause situation, so we were a couple seconds behind here, but they did it. They did it, Phil. Congrats, man. Wow. I just had to see your reaction. So. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Okay. Okay. What's up, Aaron? How are you? Good to see you again. Yeah, we'll talk soon, man. They did it. They did it. Very cool. I can't believe they did that. Jersey, baby. Good to see you. Jersey, good I'm Chris. See you. Great yeah, to see you. Yes, great Sorry, to see so you. Sweaty. Oh, no, please, please. Um, Holy shit, this is unbelievable. Oh, my God. My buddy who lives in Jersey City just told me all I hear is screaming out of windows all over my neighborhood right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I think they play again Sunday, right? Yeah, they play Sunday. So yeah, I'm not this even. This guy's gonna... been like the mascot of the. He's like, the best. You see him everywhere. He's yeah. the best. All right, I'm gonna shower and then come back down. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. They did it. Wow. Wow. What are the chances? What are the chances of St. Peter's, a tiny Jesuit university from Jersey City, New Jersey, making it into the NCAA tournament at all, defeating several opponents, making it into the Sweet 16, and making it into advancing into the Elite Eight? So when the tournament started, the odds of St. Peter's making the Sweet 16 were about 10,000 to 1. The odds of them advancing to the Elite Eight are about 2,200 to 1. So these are astronomical odds, especially when you stack them. First it's 10,000, so on and so on. It just gets tougher and tougher to the point where this is a near impossibility. And I think that's why it's happened before. And this got me thinking that New Jersey is the state of long shots. We are the long shot state. We're put upon place. And... Oftentimes, we come through in absolutely incredible situations and things happen that no one really thought possible. So I started to dig into this a little bit and I was wondering, what are some other long shots that have happened in New Jersey that that just defied all odds in both the, the mathematical and the story sense? So in, in 1985, a woman named Evelyn Adams, who was a convenience store clerk from Point Pleasant, she won $3.9 million in the New Jersey lottery, which is absolutely wonderful. And I'm sure everyone was really happy for her. And then something really mathematically crazy happened. Just you know, a little bit, not even a year later, in February of 1986, Evelyn Adams won the New Jersey State Lottery again, and she won $1.4 million. She was the first person to ever win this, a state lottery twice. And at the time, you know, back in 1985 and 1986, your odds of winning the lottery jackpot in a state lottery were about one in 5.2 million. Those are very long odds, but they're not impossibly long odds. People do win the lottery. When I worked at a liquor store in college and my job was punching out lottery tickets, 
I sold a $1.4 million lottery ticket to a couple who would come in <clears throat> nearly every night and, and play the lottery. So it does happen. But the odds of winning the lottery twice, I put that at about one in 17 trillion. That's 12 zeros. So one in 17 trillion is exponentially more impossible to. It's nearly impossible to win the lottery twice, but Evelyn Adams did this and she's from New Jersey. She's from Point Pleasant. So, you know, what happened? What happened to, to Miss Adams? Well, she took her winnings and then she bought a music store. And then, which I think all of us may have had this fantasy if we do play the lottery, is she actually went back and bought her place of work. She bought the convenience store that she worked at. And then she later sold the convenience store after a while. I guess she got tired of it. And then she eventually lost the remainder of her fortune to the casinos in Atlantic city. Another extremely very unlikely and ultimately tragic series of events happened in New Jersey in the 1950s. So your odds right now of dying as a passenger in a, in a car are about one in 114, um, you know, which are not great odds. Uh, they're not terrible either. And, and the way that odds work, you can never be completely uh, sure of how accurate they are. Right now, you're out, the odds of you dying as a passenger in a plane crash are about 1 in 9,821. Again, they seem that seems pretty grim, but when you actually peel that back a little bit, you know, you, it goes through the process of how often are you flying and what air carrier are you flying on, et cetera. And really, overall, though, if you, if you control for the entire population, not just people who are flying, your odds of dying in a commercial airline crash are about 1 in 3.37 billion. So it's an extremely unlikely event to happen. And while there are commercial plane crashes, they are very rare and very infrequent, considering the amount of air traffic that there is in the world. But something ultimately sad and tragic, but really mathematically nearly impossible happened in Elizabeth, New Jersey. On December 16th, 1951, Miami Airlines flight from Newark to Tampa crashed into a building in the industrial part of Elizabeth on the Elizabeth River, killing all 156 people on board. So not only did this plane you know, crash, it crashed in an industrial part, but you know, we all know Elizabeth is a pretty dense urban part of the city of, of New Jersey. Then here's where the story starts to go into the realm of the impossible. January 22nd, 1952, an American Airlines flight from Newark to Syracuse. There's a storm, there's some type of engine fire. This plane crashes into a row of homes on William Street in the middle of the afternoon, killing all 23 people on board and including former Secretary of War Robert Patterson, and, and sadly seven people on the ground in Elizabeth were, were also killed. Then to make this story about long odds even longer, you know, just about two weeks later after that, February 11th, another plane headed from Newark to Miami crashed into a four-story apartment building after takeoff in Elizabeth. And, you know, there was wreckage on the ball fields where, where kids were playing. And part, part of the wreckage of the plane 
went into a home for orphans. I mean, this is a, a legitimate, awful tragedy. And then of the 63 people on board, 29 were killed along with four people on the ground. So just to wind that back for a second, from December 16th, 1951, to February 11th, 1952. So we're talking about a very short stretch of time here. Three commercial planes crashed into the city of Elizabeth, New Jersey. And how unlikely overall commercial plane crashes are, the odds of this are just absolutely beyond astronomical. So I tried to calculate this myself and I am not a mathematician and my calculator sadly started to run out of digits after a while, but the best that I could figure is the odds of three planes crashing that close together and crashing into the same place, a city, are 1,100 trillion. 1,100 trillion are the odds of this happening. And I think this event is so extreme and so unlikely, Judy Bloom. New Jersey author that we all love. She actually wrote a novel about this not too long ago in 2015 called An Unlikely Event. And, you know, the book follows a sort of 15 year old analog of Judy Bloom about how the people of Elizabeth, how a teenager at that time would deal with something as unlikely and tragic as having three planes crash into your town, one right after the other. Um, just something that I don't know if anything like this has ever happened again, and I hope that it doesn't, but the odds of this are just so astronomically long. So what I'd like to say is, New Jersey, we love long odds. We love beating long odds, whether that ends in tragedy or victory, but I am predicting that this is going to end in victory for St. Peter's. Go Peacock, strut up. Sunday morning, in about three hours, St. Peter's Peacocks take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. If you're not a basketball fan, you might not know. The North Carolina Tar Heels are one of the most storied blue blood programs in all of college basketball's history. Real legacy there. I mean, Michael Jordan went to North Carolina. Doug Eddard goes to St. Peter's. Tells you... A lot of what you need to know right there, right? I had a friend on a text thread on Friday. He, he lives in Jersey City. He has for many years. And he texted, it, he texted out to our text thread. He said, I don't know how to explain this except that all of Jersey City is screaming right now. He said, every window in Jersey City just opened and people are just screaming for the sake of screaming. He also told me that his place had been on the market and had an offer to have someone buy it and he decided to rescind it because he loves Jersey City that much. Now, he, he didn't say that was because of St. Peter's, but I think the Jersey City love was certainly highlighted and underlined and magnified by St. Peter's. I mean, people reneging on real estate deals out here. We got people backing out of real estate deals because St. Peter's is doing something that miraculous. I'm still in Los Angeles. I miss Jersey. I miss my family. And Maybe that's part of why I'm flipping out so hard. I mean, I would be flipping out hard for St. Peter's no matter what. I already was before I came out here. 
on work. But now I got people, I keep running into basketball, watching friends of mine who are like, oh, you're in LA, we got to watch together. People want to get together to watch this game with me because they know that Jersey's coming alive. Jersey's standing up. Jersey's opening his windows and screaming for the St. Peter's Peacocks. Can they win this game? I think the answer is yeah. I mean, on paper, both Kentucky and Purdue were tougher than North Carolina. I think maybe Murray State was even regarded as tougher than North Carolina. But North Carolina is North Carolina. And they're, they're in a zone as well. They're catching momentum as well. And I want to say something else. I like North Carolina. One of my really good friends in this world is named Anthony King, and he went to North Carolina. And I've watched North Carolina games with him. I would say outside of the Jersey teams, North Carolina is a team I always keep an eye on because at the end of the day, North Carolina's whole thing is they're the state school and they get a lot of joy out of taking out Duke. I mean, that's their big rivalry in college basketball, right? North Carolina and Duke. Duke is the rich private school. North Carolina is the state school. You know I got a root state school on that, so I got love for North Carolina. Their fans were rooting for St. Peter's the other night. It helped make it a home game environment from Philly. So I got no hate towards North Carolina, but man, would it be amazing if St. Peter's actually went to the final four. I just read, you know, I've been obsessively reading everything about St. Peter's. I read that in their home games this past year, they never sold 800 tickets for any individual home game. They topped out at just under 800 spectators in their home gym, the Run Baby Run Arena. Now they're playing at the Wells Fargo Center. This is where, that's where the Philadelphia 76ers play. Against North Carolina, the team that Jordan used to be on. These kids, it's miraculous. And it's Jersey. And I keep thinking, what am I going to say at halftime? Who knows? I'll be back at halftime of the game to let you know how it's going. What the experience of watching is like. This little audio diary will continue. But even more so, obviously, I'm thinking about after the game. What am I going to say if they lose? It's going to come from the gut, but the thing about Jersey stories is that we don't win, right? Seton Hall made it to the national championship game, and then that ref blew the whistle, and they lost. It's just about the Jersey, most Jersey story I, I could think of. Right? There's a reason that we all think of Bruce as our guy, but you don't think of Meryl Streep at the tip of your tongues as much because Meryl Streep keeps winning those Oscars. It doesn't feel as Jersey as the people who keep making their whole image that they scrap it out and keep throwing punches. So the real question isn't necessarily what am I going to say if they lose? What am I going to say if they win? We just hit halftime of the North Carolina game, and this is the game everybody thought St. Peter's was going to have against Kentucky, against Murray State, and Purdue. It's 38-19 to 19 at the half, and uh, I watch a lot of basketball. 
And that's hard to come back from. You don't generally win a game when the other team has double your points at half. It didn't look good. They missed a bunch of shots that were open early and that threw them off their rhythm. And here we are. It doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel hopeful. It seems like this is probably over. But again, you're listening to this in the future. You might be sitting there going, oh my God, he has no idea that uh, one of those twins from Mali is about to hit nine threes in the second half. He has no idea that that kid Lee is about to go on a tear. He has no idea that somebody from North Carolina is going to foul out of the game. He has no idea about the Rocky-like comeback that's about to occur. Or you're in the future going, I hope he's at a party with good company and, and decent snacks because it only gets worse from here. I don't know what's about to happen. What I do know is it seems like this is the end of the ride. So my thoughts are already formulating in that direction. Hope it's not the case. But if they win, it will be a true miracle. In fact, if they won a game that was from the start close, it would only extend the story that has unfolded so far. If they now come back from this deficit, it makes this story somehow even crazier. It's not likely, but here's hoping. game's over and the magical run is over and they were never really in that game and in a sense that's almost better in a sense it almost felt like you could sense the whole day it's not happening they missed a bunch of early shots and this is the story of a team that went to the elite eight this is a legendary story but the story's effectively already been told how the saint peter's peacocks took it to the elite eight it was fun to watch the game. Kept happening. They kept hoping they would catch momentum, and they didn't. And uh, I'm sitting here today, and I just want to say thanks to Shaheen Holloway and the St. Peter's Peacocks because you brought an entire state together. I mean, there were billboards that were purchased, then there were the DOT signs that also were altered to wish the St. Peter's Peacocks luck. And I bet in a lot of Catholic churches all over North Jersey, they said a choir prayer for the St. Pe- Peter's Peacocks this Sunday morning. And uh, they went in there. They punched above their weight. They were easy to laugh at, easy to roll their eyes at. From a school that didn't really have much going for it, playing out of facilities that are kind of legendarily busted. And they came in and they did that to those teams. I think one thing that's pretty clear is that uh, UNC had enough time now to sit down and actually watch some film of St. Peter's and say, all right, how do we get these kids off their rhythm instead of letting them get off off of theirs? They came in there. They did a lot of stuff that made no sense. And someone finally adjusted to them instead of vice versa. And as far as Jersey stories go, that's winning even if the scoreboard is lopsided in the other direction. You can take the L in the the actual win-loss column when it comes to basketball. But coming in 
throwing some knockout punches, having good game plan and getting lucky on top of it, making the world pay attention, making the world stop rolling their eyes at you, stop making fun of you, making them adjust to you if they want to stop you. It's about as jersey as it gets. So thanks to St. Peter's. Thanks to all the players. Thanks to Shaheen Holloway for, uh, for bringing together a state that is always ready to get behind people who represent this state with a puncher's chance. With Murray State's physicality, you all kind of kept your cool. When they, when they kept trying to muscle in, uh, what, what was the thing that you told them to really try to stay calm when, when it seemed like they were trying to push you all around? You know, I'm, I'm going to say this, it's going to come off a little crazy. I got guys from New Jersey and New York City. You think we scared of anything? Did you think we read about guys trying to muscle us and tough us out? We do that. You know, that's who we are. Like, we are a very physical team. Our bodies probably don't look like it, but these guys play very hard and very physical. So that I wasn't worried about at all. You know, we've been playing against bigger teams out the whole, the whole, the, the whole time. So them being a little bigger and stronger, it didn't phase us. When you got tough, hard-nosed kids, they they ready to play. Thank you, Coach. Good luck next weekend. Thank you. New Jersey is the world. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the world. New Jersey is the world is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the world is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the world and on Instagram at New Jersey is the world. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the world at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the world on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the world. We have merch, which you can find at belowthecollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the world. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world.